The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's turn our attention to the National Football League. For those of you on hold, hang with me for a second while we bring in one of our many football analysts. He is Jay Bromley, former giant of the New York, a former giant of the National Football League. Jay, how are you? I'm doing good, Larry. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Jay. First of all, I want to get your thoughts before we break down some of the free agent signings from both local teams. Just give me your thoughts on the quarterback movement. I mean, Russell Wilson moves. Uh, you know, we have, we have a, a a bunch of different quarterbacks that that move on. Give me your thoughts about Russell Wilson first of all. I think that's a great pickup um, by Denver. Obviously, they get an elite quarterback. They get a guy who's been there, done that when it comes to championship caliber offense and play. Um, obviously, Seattle. It seemed like it was just getting stale. Right, it just seemed like it was getting stale, and it needed something needs to happen. So Denver gets a proven product, and um, it enhances their ability to win immediately. Deshaun Watson moved to Cleveland. Uh, goodbye, Baker Mayfield. First, give me your thoughts about Deshaun Watson in Cleveland under the circumstances that we don't know how many games he's going to play. But just give us your thoughts about that, and then where does Baker Mayfield go? I think that they don't necessarily make that move if they don't have some behind-the-scenes certainty of his availability. Um, it's too much they, they gave him. a. I feel like he just signed a new contract, and then they just gave him another one. So And he missed the whole year. That tells you how talented he is. Um, so, obviously, his film and his ability speaks for itself. He's a, he's a leader. When he's on the field, he's dynamic. He's a top 10, 15 quarterback at any given moment. So, that's, that's obviously enhances Cleveland. I don't know if that's going to put them over the hump for any reason, but – they have a lot of talent based on draft picks over the years on that team, both offensive and defensively. As far as Baker, uh, he needs to restart, man. It's great, man. I think the interesting thing about this for Baker is it kind of reboots him, hopefully, right? Because we all know Baker for being, you know, whether it be the walk-on or transfer, and then he worked his butt off to earn the opportunity at Oklahoma and then take them, you know, win the Heisman, right? Maybe mm-hmm. being the first-round pick, being the number one guy, maybe from the jump, maybe that wasn't didn't fit his story that much, right? Maybe his story, his hunger really came from the bottom, and that's what fueled his success. And maybe this does that again. It, it, it's always interesting, Jay, to see how players come back from adversity, right? You, he was the starting quarterback for Cleveland, number one pick overall, as you mentioned. Uh, then, he, you know, you, you play the games, and then – you got issues with OBJ and his dad. You got issues with uh, Jarvis Landry, who's got some comments. You got issues, you know, that goes on there. And by you talking about the reboot, you know, and listen, give him credit for playing injured last year. That was a tough injury for him to to try to overcome and and, and play, especially that position. But, you know, it is going to be interesting to see how he responds with a new opportunity. I think it is going to be interesting. I think he – like I said, the the best case scenario, man, is for him to rise to the occasion, for him to prove all the doubters wrong, for him to put that chip back on his shoulders that he had before he got to Oklahoma and what helped catapult him into stardom. Um, you know, his, his character, what success does, it, it it really highlights your character, right? So when you didn't have much, you didn't have a choice, right? You didn't have a choice but to beat out the man in front of you because nobody favored you. Nobody was standing on the table for you. You went out there, you did that. Now you became the guy and then everybody started, your character started to show up. And then your character has flaws, you know, and then depending on maturity and and the people around you, how does that develop over time? And obviously to this point, it hasn't developed to make him successful because he has all the tools, but uh, he hasn't grown to that yet. So hopefully this humbling process 
will bring back the bacon we know and love. Our NFL analyst Jay Bromley joining me here on the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jay, we got two big-time, big-play wide receivers changing addresses. I was shocked at, uh, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill leaving, uh, being traded from Kansas City. I get that Kansas City didn't want to sign him to the big contract, but, Jay, to lose somebody like that in your offense has got to be – it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt somehow. It definitely hurts. Um, you know, I think that it's something that was necessary because of cap reasons. Obviously, um, they, they, you know, they're paying Patrick Mahomes what they're paying them, and they have you know a left tackle that eventually they, they want to have to pay. So, they they have all these different moving pieces. I think that um, the cheetah being there for six years, man, he's he's definitely you know uh, multiplied the statistics of Patrick Mahomes without a doubt. I don't think either one will fail without the other, but I do think that they definitely um, really you know handicapped and really helped out each other while they were together. And um, I think going forward, Patrick will be Patrick. We'll see, and I think he has the ability to make those around him better. Tyreek Hill will see that he's not playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think that will be an adjustment he has to make, right? Because he he was kind of given a a blessing by being with Patrick Mahomes for as long as he was because a young star quarterback in his prime going into his prime. But Tyreek is going to see that every quarterback isn't the same. Not that Tua isn't as good, but Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Well, we can say this right now, Jay. Tua isn't as good, <laughs> and and you're right. That is going to be uh, that is going to be an adjustment. And listen, the pressure now shifts to Tua, right? Because you have a prime, you've got a home run hitter on your team. You can throw him a slant pattern for five yards, and you can almost you know watch him give you the peace sign as he's going into the end zone, as he's done so many times in Kansas City. And you have to make this work. So either he's the quarterback of the future for them, or he isn't. Tyreek Hill will kind of make that determination for for Miami. It will be a multitude of factors. I think that will, you know, definitely play its part. Uh, Offensive coaching will play a big part or how they figure out how to get the ball into Tyreek Hill's hands. So his ability to throw the ball deep. Is his arm strong enough? Is he accurate enough? That'll be something he has to work on during the summer to to help highlight Tyreek Hill's ability. Because you can't just give Tyreek Hill jailbreak screens. He's going to get hit too much and he's not going to like it. Okay, it's 300 pounders, 260 pounders is coming to lay wood. That's not that's not what Tyreek Hill wants. He wants the ball in space. He wants to catch those those balls in the post and, and, and those corner routes and those goals, and he wants to get out of there. And Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay. I thought that was one of the reasons why, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers came back so he could throw to his number one guy. Then his number one guy leaves because he likes Derek Carr better? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, that's insane. Like it, it definitely <laughs> made sense for the narrative to think that you were going to keep your number one receiver. That's why Aaron Rodgers came back. Um, but I don't know if that was discussed, or maybe he got sick and tired of waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Right? Maybe he mm. got sick and tired of every offseason. Aaron Rodgers might retire. Aaron Rodgers might do this. I'm sick and tired of waiting on you. I'm gonna go play with the guy I know, and I'm gonna go put up numbers, and I'm gonna get my new contract. So I don't got to keep being in limbo. Right? So that's the thought process too. Yeah, you're right about that. You are correct about that. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of the free agents. We'll start with your former team, the New York Football Giants. Uh, what does defensive tackle Justin Ellis bring to this Giants front? Justin Ellis brings, you know, physicality. You know, the Giants need a, a tone set up front. They need to continuously build on that. You know, stopping the run is one aspect of football. And Justin Ellis, man, big jelly, man. 
I've, I've played with him. I know him. And, um, you know, one thing he's going to bring is physicality, uh, work ethic, down to down. And he's going to spread that throughout every man next to him. And Jahad Ward, out of uh, formerly of the Jaguars, what does he bring? I guess a little depth in that linebacking court, right, Jay? Yes, yes. You need depth, uh, especially nowadays. You need guys that can, you know, play on third down and, and cover and cover the flats and cover these elusive backs and these tight ends and really, you know, have different personnel to get fit. So linebacker is a very unique position nowadays because they have to have the ability to fill in the run game and be light enough to cover you know, 20, 20, 30 yards potentially downfield. So having versatility there to fight for camp and to open up opportunities and give the defense uh, more looks. Next, of course, is offensive lineman Jamil Douglas. And, Jay, I know that you hear it all the time. When the Giants are good, what's they going to do with the offensive line? The offensive line is this. The offensive line is this. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, the former Bill should help solidify and add some depth to that offensive line. Surely, man. The, the offensive line is, is a focal point, especially for the Giants for the last several last years. They, they've had some big key free agent signings that haven't all panned out, right, productivity-wise, right? You know, Soldier's one of those guys. And they're looking for some consistency. You know, they, I think what they've gone from their offense, they really want to run the ball, they want to play action, and they want to, you know, take advantage of safeties and linebackers creeping on the run with Saquon Barkley in the backfield. And to do that, you got to run the ball effectively. And uh, that's something they're building on. Yeah, and they and that's something that's going to help them determine what their situation is at quarterback too, right? With Dave Brown, you, uh, Dave Brown. Um, <laughs> boy, am I going back, OJ? Huh, <laughs> <laughs> With Daniel Jones, yeah, because well, I'm watching Carolina and Duke and all this other stuff. So that's the college on my mind. With uh, with Daniel Jones, that's going to help solidify their situation with them as well. Because you know, we we really need to see what Daniel Jones can do, Jay. We kind of know, but the fact that he hasn't been able to stay on the field, and the fact that he's been inconsistent when he's been on the field, it, it, you know, you're up in the air about whether he's your guy. He's shown you a lot of things when he's been available. Uh, correct. Um, based on the personnel that they brought in, especially coaching wise, you gotta you gotta see this them wanting this to pan out like it did in Buffalo, them wanting to pan this thing out as playing great defense, right? There was no Pro Bowlers on that Buffalo defense, right? Or, or all pros on the defense, and then but they had the number they had top five defense in the league, so they're looking to bring this thing together as a team on defense and then offensively. Do what they do with Allen, man. Got a quarterback that's athletic enough to get out of the pocket. So mix in some of that play, that play action zone read, right? Take advantage of that extra man on offense, and then run the ball effectively, and then really have them get to the playmakers on the outside. So I can see them trying to see if they can cookie cutter it just like Buffalo. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind that you know he's not Josh Allen. <laughs> not not yet. See, that's not yet. Josh Allen is Josh Allen because. Because he's proven it year in and year out. Now, mm-hmm. who knows if you know Daniel? He can have a great year, and with a with a healthy year, with some healthy receivers, and you don't know. <laughs> it's true. You don't. We'll find out. This this will give us some answers. A couple more before we let you go, Jay. Let's look at the Jets real quick. Uh, one of the things, because they have offensive line issues as well, and one of their free agent signings is uh, Lincoln Tomlinson who has been a guy that's been really good uh, for a number of years on the offensive line. What does he bring to that offensive line for the Jets? Physicality, man, and just 
literally a, a you know a bucket hat lunch pail kind of guy. I had a chance to play with him with the 49ers and play against him. Um, he's really a, a bucket hat and lunch pail kind of guy that brings that to the offensive line. Uh, really good in pass protection. Um, you're not going to find him getting beat too many times outright in pass protection and a, just a, a physical presence on that offensive line. He's going to bring that tone-setting mindset to that Jet offensive line. So, which was interesting for me because the Jets also added a couple of tight ends and C.J. Uzuma and, from Cincinnati and Tyler Conklin from Minnesota. As a defensive lineman, Jay, what does, you know, a, a confident tight end who's constantly been in use in your offense, what does that do to you along with the, let's say the offensive line improves, but what does the improvement of the offensive line and a working tight end relationship with your second-year quarterback do from you from a defensive standpoint? It puts you in a bind because it's a safety blanket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's take this for instance, right? Um, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, a lot of his throws goes to his tight end, right? Yep. They're safety blankets. They're easier reads, right? They're right in front of you. So when you have tight ends that, are that you know, you play good in the run game, where, you know, the defense has to respond to it, and then you got tight ends that leak out for passes, right, after one or two seconds of the, a play action, or they take advantage and they're more athletic than the safeties, they're bigger than the safeties, too fast for the, for the linebackers. So though they put the defense in the bind where you have to get to the quarterback in two and a half seconds instead of three, and that's very, very difficult. <laughs> so you just really get put on your heels when uh, offense is clicking in the run game with tight ends that could take advantage of the secondary in any which way. Yes. Uh, listen, Jay, as a broadcaster here in New York, I would love to see the Jets and Giants season not over before Halloween. So I'm looking forward to hopefully these free agent moves and what they do in the draft will be, you know, add some excitement uh, to this upcoming season. Yeah, me too, man. I look forward to this upcoming season and seeing it, you know, come to fruition and seeing these quarterbacks do their thing, these new wide receivers, these new teams. A lot of good moves and a lot of excitement, especially after the draft. And listen, and I'm hoping not to be able to talk to you as much because you'll be back on on some team somewhere. (laughs) Well, hey, man, we'll see, man, if that's an opportunity. Or maybe, man, maybe I'll be up there sitting next to you talking, man, helping, helping break these guys down. Either or is good for me. Either or. I'll take either or. I'll take you next to me, and I'll take watching you on Sunday. Either or, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Jay, as always, thanks, my friend, for your expertise. Appreciate you. Thank you, Larry. Knicks win in Detroit. Uh, the run at St. Peter's is over as they lose to North Carolina. And I got to say, I loved how Shaheen Holloway took, his, took all his five starters out and had a great conversation with them on the sideline. You know they're disappointed. You know they're upset. You know they're not feeling great, but they have accomplished a lot. It hurts. Of course it does. You know, your confidence keeps rolling. You belong. You pro- they proved they belong. It was just they, they lost to a team that had a better plan, and offensively they got started slow. If they were able to hit some of those shots early, a couple of the jumpers, some layups, if they were able to hit some of those shots early, it keeps them in the game so they, they kind of they stay close. And that was one of the things that they were able to do right throughout this tournament run is they were able to stay close 
so that they could put a couple of plays together defensively for some turnovers, get some easy baskets, and then they're right back into the thick of things. And that's what they were unable to do today, except late in, except for a couple of minutes in the second half, they were able to do that to Carolina. But by then, Carolina was cruising. They were holding on to the big lead. Richardson, Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hi, Larry. Larry, very disappointed in the four games this weekend. You know, mm-hmm. after last weekend and the week before with the conference tournaments and all, you know, it, it was very disappointing. The only There are only two good things about what happened this weekend, though. Two good things. Mm-hmm. First, you got the four best teams in the country, so it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, these are the four deserve it. You know, the best teams, without a question, these guys are playing the best. And the other thing is we get the North Carolina versus Duke, which is going to be great. Larry, can you imagine if Roy Williams would have waited one more year to announce his retirement? Yeah, right. And it would have been Roy versus uh, Mike, and uh, this would, yeah. it would have been unbelievable. Would have uh, been. What, watching the St. Peter's game, you know what it reminded me of? 79, when the pen went all the way to the Final Four. You oh, remember yeah. that team? And uh, They had a, couple, a guy, Tony Price and Bobby Willis. They went up against Michigan State, What Michigan mm-hmm. State of course, had Magic Kelsa, yeah. and it, it, they got punched right in the face, in the, and you yeah. knew the game was over in the first five minutes of the game. Penn could not compete with Michigan State, but that was a Final Four game. Right, so right. It, it still remains the two most unlikely Final Four teams that have made it in the last 50, 55 years have to be Penn and George Mason, Larinakis, uh, the uh, George Mason team in 2006. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Larry? This all, and nobody ever talks about this. Well, it happened so long ago. Not only were they the most unlikely Final Four team. Now, this, I'm going back to 1966. The Texas Western team with the first all five black starters. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about that team. They now, don't. back then, and I think it's not because of the cultural thing or anything. I think it was because back then they didn't have seedings. Right. But when you look back then, it was UCLA, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Kansas, North Carolina, Indiana. Those were the great Kentucky. Those were the great sure. teams. How this team crashed the party and won the NCAA tournament, <laughs> that was unbelievable. And yet, well, because the, all the starters were black, that was the biggest story. But when you look back now with seedings and unlikelihood, look look how much of a fuss we make with St. Peter's. And they were a great story. That UTEP team, or, well, Texas Western, as they were called, right. that, what they did was unbelievable. It was. But you never hear much about it. One thing I do remember about that team, I vaguely remember the game, Larry. I was only 11 years old, but and I remembered the plays. None of them made it. None of them made it in the no. NBA. Mm-mm. You know, no. one or two of the guys I think played in the ABA, which might, which really showed you that's how great a team they were. They had no stars, no superstars, nobody on that uh, Texas Western team, and that was some sort. Larry, did you read the NIT is going to stop being played at the Garden? I did not see that. I had heard some rumors that there was a possibility that would happen. Larry, whose call is that? Is that Dolan? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whose call it is. I don't know. But it's, I mean, you know, it's it's been there forever. Larry, I'll give you a memory 44 years ago. John Thompson, Mm. in 78, the first year that the NIT went to the on-campus site and they only brought four teams to New York. I I was there in 78. They played only Two, uh, three games, the two semifinals and the final. Well, Thompson had at 78. This is way before the Patrick and Sleepy Floyd and those guys came. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thompson came to the finals and they played Texas. It was on a Sunday night, and Texas had uh, a guy called Jim Crivax, and he was the shooting guard for Texas, and he lit it up, and they beat Georgetown's team. And I'll go back to 80. 
when uh, Paul Pressey in Tulsa, Nolan Richardson was the coach. And you mm-hmm. know who Paul Pressey's teammate on that te- team was? The Mike, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Anderson, the coach of uh, wow. uh, St. John's. St. John's, yeah. And that was Nolan Richardson's great team. They won this, the uh, title in 80. And I'll give you one more. 1975, I went to that NIT, and I watched on TV. I'll never forget. Armand Hill in Princeton. Oh, they went through some pro teams that – yeah. Guys that play pro, it was a guy, Ron Lee. You remember Ron Lee from sure, Oregon State? Yeah, I do remember. Oh, that. defensive. He was the last all-defensive player in the NBA. That guy yeah. played 10 years in the NBA just because he played defense. Yeah, he right. was a great def- you remember? defensive But anyway, player. 75. And the two guys doing the game on TV, Larry, let me see if you remember their names. It was on CBS. And uh, uh, Don Crickey was doing play-by-play. Do you remember the guy, the guy from Philadelphia, Sonny Hill, did the oh, color yeah, commentary? Oh, Sonny Hill, of course. Yeah, I know Sonny Hill. You remember Hill that very was well. in Oh yeah, man, that's when the Sonny NIT was well. the NIT, Larry. Yeah, a lot of true. memories. Larry, that's always true. a pleasure. Thank All you, right, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. Wilson is in Jersey. Hey, Wilson, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing? First hey, Wilson, thing, what's up? Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you're in your what? Uh, you're in your family. Everybody's good. So. Uh, that's first things first. Thank you, Wilson. And, Same um, to you and your crew. Thank you, man. Hey, Larry, listen. So um, I'm a Giant fan for over mm-hmm. 40 years, okay? Okay. And um, listen, first thing, the NFL is not baseball and it's not the NBA. It's not like a five-year plan. The, the mm-hmm. NFL is like a year-to-year business. You can go from 5 to 12 and then 12 and 5 in a year. You know, if you, if you hit the right things and you're lucky. So on the Giants and Daniel Jones, right? I think Daniel Jones, to me, has all the tools to be a top-10 quarterback, man. I mean, he threw 24 touchdown passes as, as a rookie, okay? You, you, you can't be a bum and do that. What happens is, I think, Larry, he had a semi-below-average semi head coach in Pat Shermer and a complete disgrace in Georgia. I mean, Georgia didn't belong in the NFL as a head coach. So he had a lot of things stacked against him, right? So I think that as a Giants fan, let me, I want to ask you this to see if I'm crazy. And as a Giants fan, right, if they tweak a couple of things here and there and they, you know, and the ball bounces their way a couple of things here and there, am I crazy to think that they could be like 9-8 and eight and, and be in the, in the playing for the, the seventh playoff spot? Is no, that too much? Is that like no, Wilson, crazy you're thing? not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Here's here's the whole issue. Here's my issue with Daniel Jones, is okay. that you're right. He had a fantastic rookie year, okay. but his numbers have gone down every year since then. His ability to stay you? healthy has gone down ever since then. So for me, I don't know what Daniel Jones is because he doesn't. He can't stay on the football field long enough. Now, hopefully, this right. year. With an improved offensive line, he has more mm-hmm. weapons. You know, you brought the weapons back, some of them from last year that you had, that you got him. Hopefully, he'll right. be able to stay on the field, and we can find that. And your offensive line's improved. Hopefully, we'll right. be able to decide this year whether he can go or not. One thing right. for sure is that the giant front office realizes that because of the, his injury history, they cannot just throw, get anybody to play backup quarterback. They have to be able to get a competent backup quarterback, and I think they've done that in Tyrod Taylor. So, I, think, I, 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 I think so, too. But, but let, let me ask you something. Don't you think that Daniel Jones was probably trying to do a little too much because of the disadvantage in coaching? I mean, listen, out of all the, out of all the major sports, I think the head coach in the NFL can win or lose you between three and five games a season. 
So coaching does matter in the NFL. And unfortunately, the Giants, I mean, from they went from Ben McAdoo. I mean, look, uh, Joe Judge made Ben McAdoo look like Bill Parcells. So, so I, I think I think that has to be a that has to play into how, why Daniel Jones hasn't performed to to like you know you know the draft stock that you know that he that he was picked at sixth overall. You know, I think coaching does have a lot. Well, to do would with you it. say and, it's will you say it's Judge or Jason Garrett? Because I mean, Jason Garrett is more involved in into your process of improvement and and what the uh, offense well, is like more so than Joe Judge. I mean, I, Joe Judge really think, turned the offense over to Jason Garrett. Yeah, but I, I think Joe Judge. Listen, if you hear what a lot of people are saying, he had his hands on everything. I think this guy like suffocated everything. Listen, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and and I, I was off the Joe Judge bandwagon. Not in his second year that everybody loved him. I was off him after that Cleveland game, his first year. I mean, the stuff that he was saying on the press. I said this. I, I said to myself, this guy. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. And I said to a lot of – I even called up and I told, I, I told Anita Marcus. I said, Anita, listen, the way that George has wants to be a Bill Belichick wannabe, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. better start They better start 6-2 or 5-3. and three, Otherwise, yeah. the season's over. Listen, if I would have known that, I would have played a lot more, Larry. I mean, this, <laughs> this guy – I mean, I, I, th- I think, I think uh, I, we have to throw away last year completely and, and give Daniel Jones – like, I want to. I want to. I want. Basically, is this? I want to. I want to see Daniel Jones' rookie year, and now his year. I want to. I want to throw away last year because the coaching was a disaster. Everything just worked against them. Yeah, and, I hear and what I, you're saying, Wilson. This, but but here's the thing. And thanks for the phone call. Once again, you you have a right to be unhappy with Joe Judge. But remember, a lot of people were high on Joe Judge after his first year, even though they struggled because of the way he had the team. They were more disciplined. There were so many. So there was a lot of people who thought Joe Judge was on the right track. Here's the thing you have. And Wilson, this is how I look at all all quarterbacks. And I grant you what you say. I know about coaching and what it does. I get it. But I still think that quarterback and what they can control, okay, and what quarterbacks can control, you've got to be able to handle that. You can't control what the coach is doing. You can't control who they have on the field with you. But the things you can't control, you have to do a better job. And his turnovers went down, okay? But once again, you can't turn the football over, especially when you have a team that – because, look, wasn't defensively, not last year, the year before, defensively, that giant defense was, real, was, was not bad. Giant defense was not bad. So if you lost games, you know, some of that's on you. And once again, for me, the big thing, you've got to be able to stay healthy. If you're my, if you're my franchise quarterback, you've got to stay healthy. And it's even more of an issue because he followed a guy who never missed a game because of injury at Eli Manning. Never. Kevin's in Pennsylvania. Hey, Kevin, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, Larry. Uh, I want to commend Kyrie Irving for standing on a principle, and now he's able to play. But, you know, Eric Adams, the mayor, made a statement, you know, about how it was unfair, but he also said he thought Kyrene should get the vaccine. And now that Kyrene had previously made the statement of speaking for the voiceless, I think it's imperative that he now say that Eric Adams as mayor, because of the COVID thing, should rescind 
Madison Square Garden's tax break because there's new hospitals that could be built with that money that James Dolan hasn't had to pay since 1982. It's going to be approaching a billion dollars that he has avoided paying taxes, the Dolan family. So I think Kyrie Irving should keep up what he's doing and now speak for the voices. There is a new hospital that needs to be in the borough of Brooklyn, and he plays for the Brooklyn Net, and I hope he speaks to that. All right, Kevin. Thanks for the phone call. Maybe he will. I mean, there's one thing we know about Kyrie. He, he, he's very vocal in speaking out in his representation. And, uh, you know, if, that's, if, if he is aware of that situation and that is indeed factual, then maybe he will speak out against it. Although I would think that right now, the only thing he's speaking out is trying to get in, in tune with his team to make this playoff run so that they can get back on track. Mike is in Queens. Hey, Mike, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. What's up? Yeah, I was uh, watching the Knicks game early against Detroit, and I listened to your postgame comments and waxing poetically about the uh, young guys. I just have a difference of opinion, Larry. I was talking to your your screener and um, these Miles McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, Jericho Sims, OBE Toppin, these are not rotation guys. I hate to say it. They're energy, high energy guys. They're fun to watch, but you have to have talent to win in the NBA. Talent wins in every sport, and this energy is not going to last long. I don't know if these guys are going to be around, and I just think it's the wrong message to send people like. You know, let's go with these young guys and let's see what you know. See what but happens. How do you know how? They, how do you know how they're going to play if you don't play them? Well, let, when you well, see Larry, them, I'm when a, you play them, then you can see. All right, you know what? Okay, here's his shortcoming. He can't do that. But if he's sitting on the bench, Mike, how do I know what he can do? Well, first of all, I've been. Uh, I'm a basketball connoisseur. I've been watching these guys since high school, long before um, um, Emmanuel quickly went to Kentucky. I've been watching them since ninth grade. I'm a. Um, I've watched a lot of prep sports and college sports. And I know these guys ceiling. Obi Toppin might be a backup for a good team. Emmanuel Quickly, Miles McBride, uh, Quentin Grimes, these guys are not they're not gonna be players on the winning teams. So you're telling they're me we wasted the these draft choices, Mike? That's what you're saying. They're no good. We have to get rid of them? Well they were picked very late to begin with. Let's not like that let's not Obi act Toppin like they was were eighth. lottery picks. Wasn't pick. he eighth? The, the one lottery pick That's the first Go round ahead. pick. But that's a first-round pick, Mike. You're telling me he's no good? You're telling me he's no Who's good? Who's that? Obi Toppin. Yeah, Obi Toppin, yeah, I thought uh, – now, that's one guy I was wrong about. I thought Obi was ready. I didn't realize his offensive game was so raw because in college with his athleticism, he just simply do- dominated people in a bad conference. Let's be real about that. He didn't play in the ACC. He didn't play in the SEC. He played in the smaller conference, and with his athleticism, he was on ESPN in the highlights every night, and I thought it would translate to the NBA. It hasn't. He's not a shooter, which he continues to try to be, and he needs to put on some weight. And I, I agree, maybe get rid of Julius Randle and let him play more, but he's not the answer. Quickly, McBride, Jericho Sims, you even forgot Sims's names earlier. These guys, Jericho Sims is not Jared Allen. Jared Allen from Brooklyn, you remember him before mm-hmm, he went I to do. Cleveland? Yes. Yeah. Jared Allen is the real deal. Jericho Sims is not the real deal. These are athletic young guys that right. can so run Mike, and jump. So, so let's go back to the question I asked you. So you're telling me yes. they are no good. I didn't say they're no good. I said they're NBA players on bad teams, Larry. All right. So if Where I'm a Knicks fan, well, okay. So if I'm a Nick fan and and I want to get a better team, they are no good for my team. That's what you're telling yes. me. Yes. 
Yes, they're not going to help you win. Yes, that's okay, what I'm so saying. Okay, so then let me ask you this, Mike. Why were they drafted? Because the Knicks have bad front office. So, so this front office is bad, maybe, too? You mean all the front They Because they, listen, they don't have many draft choices that have stayed on this team. So you're telling me all the front office is making the same mistake? Well, they drafted the best players available at that spot. But, Larry, you got to realize, the NBA, it's only a certain amount of players that play. So if you don't get a lottery pick, Larry, let me keep it real with you, bro. If you don't get a lottery pick and you're out of the top 20, you're getting a player that could virtually be in the G League or get cut. That's what it comes down to. All right, so let me ask you this, Mike. Should they have been better off taking Halliburton than Toppin? Yes. So Halliburton to you is a is a player who could be a a consistent NBA starter. Right, but at the time I didn't realize. I admitted my mistake. I thought um Toppin was ready, but I didn't consider the level of competition he played against. Halliburton is an NBA starter, ready to play forty minutes in the Why was he traded then? Huh? Then why was he traded? If he's if if if, if what you say is true, and I agree with you. If what you say is true, why was he moved so quickly? Oh, Sacramento made a mistake. If you look on the logs and everything, or if you look everywhere, everybody says um, Sacramento made a mistake. I guess it was because they had the point guard already that they wanted, and they drafted another one with Halliburton. But that was a big mistake letting him go. Halliburton could be a borderline all-star. Okay. That was a big mistake with Sacramento letting him go. Uh, how did the Knicks do with R.J. Barrett? Is he has he reached the ceiling? Is he good? What do you think, Mike? From your eyes, I don't think he's Larry. I don't think he's reached his ceiling, but I think he has a ceiling. Okay. I think R.J. Barrett is very good, but to me, on that Duke team, because of Zion, because of the other guy that's now with the Knicks, um, I I don't know. And he's too left-handed. I think I, I like R.J., but if if you're asking me if he's a number one or number two, no, he's a good number three. Okay. Well, we still need we still need a number one. We got to get rid of Julius. We got to get rid of Julius. That's where everything begins. We got to well, get here's rid, the of, thing rid we of will, Julius. Here's the thing we will definitely agree on, Mike, and I appreciate your basketball knowledge, and I enjoyed having this conversation with you, and thanks for the phone call. We can agree that the Knicks need more talent. There's no question they do. And so, but for me, just as you thought that Obi Toppin, would, his game would transcend to, to the NBA from college, that's why they got to play so you can see. And so what I'm saying is I need to see these guys play. Okay. I need to see what uh, Emmanuel quickly play to play. And then when teams make adjustments to him, how does he counter that adjustment? How does he make himself better? Okay. I need to see that from McBride because obviously it was something they saw. And yes, I know they, they you know, you're looking to draft the best player available at that spot, and that's what you do. But once again, for you to know what they can do or wake where how they can play, you got to let them play. And I know, Mike, because you, I can tell you know your basketball. Some players could be coached up that they can surpass what you think they can be when you look at them as they play against better competition. So yeah, you're right. Obi Toppin played, but he, you know. It's, he doesn't make the schedule, so he he competed against the teams he was his team competed against, and he performed well. So you're thinking, okay, you're getting an athletic uh, an athletic guy, and yeah, you can always use you can always use an athletic player on your team. Okay, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's going to be, uh, you know, 
a, a frontline Hall of Famer or an all-star player, but I need to see what he is or what he isn't. So then when I make my decisions in the offseason, if I'm the Knicks, I say, you know what? Here's his pluses. Here's his minuses. Uh, it's been two years. We've seen this. We've seen that. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to put it. We're going to package him in the trade for somewhere. What are we going to do? Those are decisions you have to make. And once again, for me, I want to see what he can do. I need to see him. I need to see him. He looked, he looked, and and the other thing, energy always plays in the NBA. Always does. You give me an athletic player with energy, I'll have him on my team all the time. He can come off the bench. He could be my, he could be my, he could be my seventh guy, my eighth guy, a guy that plays coming off the bench that sparks my team and can change momentum and, and change uh, matchups. I want him on my team. I do. Whether it's, and I'm not saying it's Obi Toppin. I'm just saying that type of player I will always want on my team. Danny's in Yonkers. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Danny. Hey, what's up, Larry? I was just saying to the producer before, man, I was listening to sports radio all week, and nobody has mentioned how there's a local basketball powerhouse in White Plains called Archbishop Stepanek that produced R.J. Davis, Adrian Griffin, and Duke, and one of the coaches on the Kansas coaching staff came from the Stepanek coaching staff. So they got three people in the Final Four right now, and I feel like they're not getting any love. Well, you just gave him some love, Danny, and thanks for pointing that out. I had missed yes. that. I'm just, you know, I'm just so busy watching and enjoying the games, my friend. Thanks for the phone call that I hadn't even enjoyed, didn't even remember the backgrounds of some of these guys. But look, the final four, I know some people say, I know Richard called early, it was a little disappointment because you want to see, you've seen these really close games. I don't think it was a disappointment for me because I think St. Peter's made it that way. Okay. Because every. You, were, you you just focused on them. And, of course, me being a Carolina fan, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that my team is still going. But, uh, you know, St. Peter's was the thing. Everybody was focused on them. And so that that kept it alive. And there were some close matches. And there were a lot of upsets early in this tournament. So that always makes it good. Now, I know sometimes when you get down to the end, like the Elite Eight or Final Four, or sometimes even the Sweet 16, when you have upsets early, it throws, it makes some somewhere down the line, you end up paying for that because there is an imbalance of talent that meets later, right? So I get that. But for the most part, I think the tournament was pretty good. And, um, you know, like I said, obviously I want Carolina to win because that's my team. But I would have liked St. Peter's to have made it a closer game for them. Does that make sense? I'm not saying I wanted them to win. I'm not going that far. <laughs> okay. I'm not going that far. But I wanted it to at least be a closer game for them because of what they had accomplished so far this season and what they had accomplished in this postseason. Michael's in Long Island. Hey, Mike, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How's it going, buddy? Going good, Mike. What's up, my friend? I, um, I have a source uh, that in the beginning of the tournament, a coach told me who was going to be in the Final Four and possibly win it. Was he right so far? Yes, he's right so far. And would you want to know the name of the team or what? Yeah, go ahead. Tell me the name of the teams and um, tell me who he's got winning. And then I'm going to ask you why you didn't uh, place some shekels at my favorite place, yeah. Typico. <laughs> To uh, have what are we some on extra, a kibbutz here or so, what? So you know, so you could have had a little extra, you know, a little, little extra golf, uh, you know, golf uh, pesos for alcohol on the on the course. 
Hey, hey, Larry, check it. No, just kidding, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, he picked uh, Villanova to go all the way, mm-hmm. and I picked uh, Duke to go all the way. So, um, and my aunt Mary uh, likes um, she likes Duke too. So, okay. um, me and Mother Mary like Duke, and Bayheim. Oh, I just gave it away. He likes Villanova. Uh-huh. I gotta go. All right, Michael. Thanks for the phone call. I'll, I'll, I'll say nice- this. I'll, I'll say this. Um, Villanova is always tough to beat. Jay Wright does a tremendous job. I'm just not sure, and I can't think of the young man's name, but I'm just not sure how available he's going to be uh, from injury. Now, the, the the positive thing is he's got a full week to do whatever he has to do to get ready for that game. And I know that if there is any way possible, any way possible, he will be able to play or he will try to play and give it a go. I understand that. Uh, but I think that is something that, you know, is going to hinder them. Uh, but Villanova is a very good team. Jay Wright does a tremendous job in coaching his guys. He really does. So, uh, you know, you got Villanova, you got Duke, you got North Carolina, and you got Kansas. And you've got, you know, you've got the, the, the royalty, right? of uh, NCAA basketball. If there if you can't look for a big school. <laughs> the big schools are are on on board uh in the final four next weekend. And what's interesting is that it is going to be the different styles that are going to make this a, a a fascinating tournament so that you figure out who's going to do who's going to win and who's going to be able to have that opportunity to perform. So I'm I'm very curious to see how this is going to work out with with you know the different styles and obviously you know North Carolina and Duke uh, everybody looking for that matchup and and Villanova Kansas is going to be a really good matchup as well so it's 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 going to be an interesting Final Four there's no question about that Buddha's in the Bronx he's next on 98.7 hey Buddha hey what's going on how you doing bro I'm doing great man what's up. Hey, listen, you know, two things. Uh, first, I don't know if you saw that, the, the fight yesterday. Uh, you know, not. with the guy for a show, man. That fifth round, I mean, you know, I love Timothy Bradley on the call, man. He's, like, always spot on. You know, uh, he was getting rocked. And, you know, that last fight that he had with, with Valdez, you know, sometimes you do suffer those vicious knockouts, like Bradley said. He even spoke about, you know, a couple times, you know, that that's what happened in his career. It's like you're just never the same after that, you know? That yeah. fifth round, he gave it all he had, man. You know, and then, you know, sixth round, obviously, he got stopped. But, uh, you know, you always talk about sports and who's a warrior and things like this. I mean, you got to give it to those guys put on a couple of eight ounces and going into that ring, man. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that was great. But now with the NCAA, listen, um, I'm not no Duke fan, and I know you're a Carolina guy and everything like that. Um I have to admit, man, I mean, maybe that loss to, to the Carolina was what Duke needed. Mm-hmm. They look like a, a different team. You know, guys grew up. The competitive spirit is there. And um, just specifically, you know, with, with, with the um, with the Knicks at, at this draft, I see this draft as being, if they do it right, they can really get a really, really, really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just want to ask you a question. If – the best player available is not a point guard. Would you take him? Because I'm looking at that kid, Ben Carroll, and he's like, he does everything that you wish Julius Randle did do. You know, mid-game, he's not settling for threes. You know, he's strong. 
rebounding. I, 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 I don't know. I think if he was available, if I was the Knicks, I'd have to scoop that kid up, man. Uh, I got to see him a little bit more, Buddha, but I will say this to you. Uh, if I can get somebody that's going to be a consistent scorer in the front court, uh, that's not going to turn the basketball over. <laughs> that's not going to, you know, that that allows the ball to keep moving somewhat. And I understand the point that Walt Clyde Frazier made the other night about, yeah, people talk about the ball moving, but that's because that's not, because that's why your number one guy's not there. And when he's there, sometimes the ball sticks a little bit. But the problem is the ball sticks a lot. Okay, I don't need the ball sticking a lot. I understand it's going to it's going to stop a little bit because, you know, that's the guy that's supposed to be doing my scoring. So to answer your question, Buddha, I would be open to it. I'd, I'd like to see what he does. I want to get some out, some uh, you know video on him and check him out. But I'd like to see what he does. And, yeah, I, I would be amenable to that. But eventually, they got to find a point guard <laughs> somewhere. They need yeah, to they find don't. one. You know what's crazy, though, Hulk? I mean, and I don't mean to be, you know, throwing water in anybody's face or nothing like that, but, I mean, when you look at the Phoenix Suns, man, I, I remember the talk was, like, we don't want Chris Paul. Like, the Knicks was too good I was to guilty. get Chris Paul. You, you guilty. know, I, I think, honestly, you got to be careful with that. I'm just drafting a point guard because I need that need. You know, you got so many needs. Like, the Knicks are like the Jets. You got so many needs that you got to get the best players available. You know, if you got to do an interim guy like a veteran point guard, until you can find the guy who's actually the guy, I would rather do that and get the best player available than I just pick a point guard because I need a point guard and, and dude doesn't pan out. You feel me? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Buddha. I, I got you. And I was one of those who, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. I was one of those who, you know, said I didn't, I, I didn't think Chris Paul would be the right person only because I'm not near, I'd be, I thought I was wasting his career because he wants to win a title and I'm, I'm nowhere close to winning a title. And plus, it was a lot of money. But, and you know, so that was my thought process at the time that, you know, I love Chris Paul. I, I, everybody knows what a great point guard Chris Paul is. There's no question about that. That that goes, you know, that goes without saying. The proof, is in, the proof is in your eyes when you watch him perform. But the Knicks were so far away from even having enough talent that he would make a difference. That's why I was like, for that point, no, nah, you know, I, I would pass on Chris. And, and listen. I don't think Chris was coming here anyway. <laughs> you know, I don't really. I think he'd have vetoed that. There's baseball, so that means there's Christy. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm good, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. So, one of my callers a few minutes ago asked me, "Which is this scenario?" I'm going to give it to you. So you tell me which is the best. Did okay. uh, Cashman tell Aaron Judge that he's got the deal? Or did Cashman tell Aaron Judge we're not giving him a deal based on that home run that's still traveling? How far that and how hard that was hit today? <laughs> it just got more expensive, didn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that, you know this is an interesting little dance they're doing, and they have us running back and forth uh, asking questions that we don't seem to get real answers to. So, um, yeah, let's just think that maybe Aaron Judge is a little motivated by the fact that they uh, low-balled him by $4 million in his eyes. Now, Christy, if you were a betting lady, what would you say is going to be the length of this deal? Because we know the Yankees in seven years has kind of been like, we don't, after the A-Rod situation, we don't really kind of want to do seven years. Uh, what do you think they're going to right. do in this scenario with Judge? You know, I can't say what they're going to do, but I have talked to a few 
executives at other teams and what they think is reasonable or a good contract for him is five, five years. Yeah. He'd be, he'll be 35 at the end of that contract. Um, 35, $185 million, that's a pretty good contract. I mean, who would say no to that? Uh, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I, I definitely would not. Um, and is this something that they really have to do, which would, you know, make them kind of make the fans kind of understand why they're not seeing, they weren't seeing a lot of big superstar, high paid free agents that we're kind of used to seeing the Yankees make or really wanted to see them make this year because of the fact that they've been, you know, trying to be, be fiscally responsible over the past couple seasons. It might ease up a little bit of the criticism on them, but I'm not sure that that's—I'm not sure that's the rhyme and reason reason here. I mean, I don't think the fans that wanted Carlos Correa are going to be satisfied by just getting Aaron Judge long term. Um, you know, everybody wants this to be the Yankees of the George Steinbrenner era, but these are the Yankees of the House Steinbrenner era, so they're a little different. Um, I think it'll ease it a little bit if they win. It'll certainly help. Um, but, I mean, there's there's obviously, you know, some criticism out there about the fact that they're not going big game hunting anymore. They're just not doing it. They're not. And I guess if you're Hal Steinbrenner, you're like, you know, you get – I'm paying all this money and you keep getting beat by Tampa, who isn't paying all their money. And so, you know, make do with what you got. <laughs> And he lives in Tampa. He's got to see that every year. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I I think there's two arguments to it. There should be some fiscal responsibility, which I guess he's, you know, he talked about the other day when he talked about he has a, I think, $80 million bond due, and he has to be responsible to his partners. Um but, you know, they're also the Yankees. They're also the most valuable franchise in sports. So, you know, it's, it, that's a hard dichotomy, I think. It is. It is. And, and it's interesting because the other side of it, too, Christy, as you know, they haven't won the championship since 09. And so you've got a fan base oh, yeah. that's used to winning, and they haven't won in a while, and so they're getting a little ornery. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's understandable. I mean, honestly, what have they had in that time? I mean, you know, the, how many how many champ, um, ALCSs have they been to? One, I think. So, um, it. And if I were Hal too, I'd be wondering what I'm paying for. You know, they do have the third highest payroll in baseball. Um, you know, maybe it's not just the players they need to look at. Maybe they need to look internally. That's an interesting point, uh, but I will say this, uh, Christy, looking at this team, they're going to have to, and we'll get to the pitching in a second, they're going to have to really get big years out of Gleyber Torres, who they hope obviously will have a better year. Same thing with DJ right. LeMahieu, and, and um, Gallo has got to be better than he was last year. And I, I realize that when you look at his stats – He's a strikeout guy, high number strikeouts, but high number walks and makes contact. Last year in his limited time here, he was high number strikeouts, low number walks, and low number make contact. How's he look to you so far this summer? A spring, rather. 
good. I mean, he looks. Um, <laughs> I mean, he looks fine. He looks like himself. I, you know, when I see him, I I see the the big uppercut swing, and you know, I see the power. Um, but I, you know, I've seen him walking back to the dugout with his head down a lot too. So um, he kind of looks like he did last year to me. Um, he's gotten bigger. He, he looks like he's added some muscle. Um, I don't know how that'll help him with walks, but maybe it'll help him with the contact. They, he seems to be working a lot with the new hitting coaches. He seems to be around them a lot. So I guess we'll see. Christy Acker covers the Yankees for the Daily News. My guest, you listen to the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Christy, take me through the starting rotation because uh, obviously behind <laughs> Garrett Cole, uh, there's a lot of questions. Will Severino be okay? You know, Take me through that. What, what are they thinking right now? I think they're hoping, well, one, you know, Cole didn't exactly end on a great note, so they're hoping he's, you know, 100% and back to his normal self. Um, Severino, I mean, that's a, that's a big question mark. You know, he's pitched what 27 innings in the last three years because of injuries. He looks good. Um, you know, he looks like he's got good stuff. He didn't have great command the other day. Um, but he looks healthy, which is what you, you know, you can really hope for, but honestly, how many innings can you expect from him? I mean, they're hoping to be, somewhere between what they got from Corey Kluver and Jamison Tyone last year. So that's between 100 and 100, or 80 and 140 innings. Uh, Jordan Montgomery looked good today. He looked really good today. And when he is on, he's a good pitcher. Then you've got Tyone, who, you know, he, you know, he, he came off his second Tommy John surgery and was probably the best pitcher in baseball for the month of July then had the ankle issues. So, you know, I think any team this year is going to need about 30 pitchers to get through the season because we're going to have injuries. I'm not sure they have that right now. Mm. So that's going to be an issue down the road. Um, Aaron Hicks. Is this the year he finally is kind of healthy? <laughs> <laughs> he looks healthy. Um, he it's looks early. happy and healthy. Um, <laughs> Newlywed. Um, yeah, he looks healthy. I mean, he actually looks really like he's in really good shape. He seems to be feeling healthy. I mean, he's had some freak injuries, you know. I mean, it's not often that you see an outfielder need Tommy John. I mean, it happens, but it's not that common. Um, the wrist injury was a, a freak one. I mean, they've got to hope that the odds are in their favor this year. It is really it is really fascinating to hear Aaron Boone say that Stanton could play the outfield three or four times a week. Christy, this from a guy who we thought was scared to go in the outfield a couple of years ago, but he he hit so well playing in the outfield last year. I understand why you'd rather have him out there if you could. He played great. I thought he played really well in the outfield, and I actually thought he he was a better hitter when he was playing in the outfield. I mean, he really, I thought it really kind of transformed him. It also coincides around, you know, the fact that he did some different off-season training stuff. You know, he did some different training stuff during the season to keep himself healthy. Um, He looked great last year, I thought. And, you know, that's huge, 
huge help to Aaron Boone. That gives him a much more flexible lineup than when you just have to put him in as the DH. Uh, Christy, how is this this catching situation going to look? It is so – first of all, I'm surprised they, they moved on from Gary Sanchez. And then to have, I guess – Higgy is your number one catcher now with the with, with the backup that uh, you know is inconsistent as far as hitting is concerned. Where was this hitting going to come from from this Yankee team that has had hitting problems when they've gotten to the postseason? You know, I think they're kind of sacrificing that a little bit. Though remember, Higgy's got power. You mm-hmm. know, he hit two home runs yesterday and one today. He's always had power. It's been consistency. And, you know, that's the thing he's been focusing on this spring, working with Dylan Lawson, is is becoming a more consistent hitter. So, you know, hopefully that'll do something. Um, Right now, their backup is maybe Rob Brantley, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, The kid that they got in the trade back, uh, Ben Wurtzwitz, I'm going to have to practice saying that one. Um, He's a good catcher i i talked to troy hawkins who mm. works for the pitchers in minnesota and he is a huge fan of this kid um you know he's he's a young player so he hasn't really established himself as a hitter but he's apparently a very very good catcher i've had, I had some great conversations with latroy hawkins was on, when i was on the beat when he was a yankee he is a he is a brilliant guy great person to talk to he's about he knows guy. his baseball he really is He's um, a great guy. Last thing, Christy, from the people you've spoken with and from what you've seen, how good is this kid Volpe for you not to get Trevor Story or all the great shortstops that were available this offseason? He's really good. I mean, <laughs> he he's really good. Um, but he's young. Let's let's and, you know, th- this is the thing. A lot of people have been, you know, well, how good is he if he's not in the big leagues yet? Let's remember, this kid's first full, this kid's first pro season, he had ended because he got sick with, I think it was mononucleosis or something. And then he had a whole season. His first full season, he got wiped out by, by COVID. So, you know, let's give him a little time to develop, but he is really good. Well, I was... As a Met fan, I would say so because all these shortstops that they had the opportunity to sign and they went the way they went, which is clearly for better defense, which they understood that they needed to have. I said he must be really, really good if they were to wait. You know, they're holding a spot for him, and so I hope he works out for them. I really do, Christy. Good to talk to you as always, and uh, we'll be talking down the line. See you when you get back to the big Big Apple. Look forward to it. Thanks, Larry. All right, take care. Christy Ackert of the Daily News. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.